Hey guys, welcome to the Around Georgia podcast. And you might be wondering, what makes us worth listening to? And Josh, do you have the answer for that? Uh, I've been trying to figure that out for years and I haven't figured it out yet. So when you find that out, you let me know. The straightforward answer is, we're not. Absolutely. Um, but here's the deal. We're two fans mm-hmm. of Georgia football, Georgia basketball, Georgia baseball. And it's been a very painful life. Um, yes. We also talked about Braves baseball. That's been a little bit better lately, and we'll talk about that some. As long as they re-sign Freddie, but continue. That's right, re-sign Freddie. Uh, and so, and we're going to talk a little bit of NASCAR too. And so, um, it's just something that we've been talking about doing for a long time. And here's the deal. We're two fans, and there's not a whole lot that we bring to offer. But we're two fans with two opinions, and we believe that it, we are uh, two guys that you will be able to um, just kind of I don't know. I think that you're just going to kind of listen to us and, and we'll maybe confirm a lot of the way that y'all think. Uh, you'll be able to kind of empathize with us and we'll be able to empathize with y'all as Georgia fans. Um, and as we go <laughs> forward, we're going to try to bring you the latest up-to-date news and we're just going to give you our, our thoughts straightforward on, on different topics, games, uh, you know, and, and whatever it is that's current with uh, Georgia sports or, or Braves baseball or NASCAR. That's right. Yep. So uh, anyways, to get it started, uh, my name is Kent Brown, and I am the Next Generation Pastor at Comer Baptist Church in Comer, Georgia, the beautiful metropolis of Comer, Georgia. Population, what, like maybe 3,000? We have one stoplight. No, two. We got our second stoplight. We're like officially, we can be put so on you're the moving map up now. in the world. We are moving up in the world. That's right. That's right. Uh, and I'm Josh Allen. I work at uh, Inside Sales at Georgia Metals in another giant town in Danielsville, uh, just a few minutes from Comer, uh, been there for for several years and everything, and and me and Kent, we've uh, we've always just kind of kept up with with Georgia football, particularly uh, like like any any two twenty uh, somethings do in the in the South, especially the Southeast. If you're part of the SEC, you keep up with football so heavily. And it just means more. It just means more. Unless and, uh, you're sitting right now at bowl season and you we're look what, at the SEC teams and you're zero four. We're like four. <laughs> it's like I promise you, we're supreme. But I mean, we we can't. Do we really need to use like a struggling Mississippi State or Missouri as a yardstick here? I mean, we're talking about. Let's use the top half of the SEC and then say, okay, they just mean more. Everybody else is just, eh, they're okay. There you so, go. But Bottom it, line is, we like Southeast football. Right, absolutely. And we uh, that's, that's just something we kind of relate to. Georgia football. Specifically Georgia. And that's just something that we just relate to just because uh, we, we grew up on it. We were raised on it. Our parents, you know, grew up on that. And it's just kind of something that got handed down. So absolutely. There, there's, there's absolutely nothing that qualifies us for this other than the fact that we are just like – about anybody else that, that's probably listening to this and, and you know they say misery loves company and so sometimes you know after a win of course you like to know you know that you have other people who are who are on your team and then you know even when, when you lose you know it's, it's good to know that you have that that group you know that, that that's in the same boat that you are when you have you know I was at uh and I believe you were too at Sanford Stadium in uh, 2016 when we lost to Georgia Tech. Yep, that's right. And the only consolation was there are 93,000 other people here going through the exact same thing that I am. Exactly. And you there's something to shoulder. be said about that. But right. you know what? I was also at Truist Park when the Braves won the World Series. And you're probably thinking, okay, the game was not played at Truist Park. Game six was it. it was not, but it was on the big screen. That's and right. I was there with 20-something thousand Atlanta Braves fans. And, uh, and it I got felt to like a home game. It felt like a home game, right. and it was an incredible experience. And so, 
uh, throughout this podcast, we hope to be able to celebrate championships. And, and uh, no doubt we're going to talk heartbreak um, on here too. But we're so excited to bring you all along for the ride. Uh, we're going to ha- try to have on some guests from time to time. And we're going to make it fun. We're, we want to be entertaining for you all to listen to. And a lot of the stuff that we say you are plain and simple not going to agree with. Let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram and on Twitter, uh, wherever uh, you like to reach out to us. Eventually, we'll probably make it to Facebook. I don't know. I'm sure yeah, we will eventually. Yeah, make it big time in order to get to Facebook. That's right. Maybe once we get to uh, 20 listeners. Um, <laughs> 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 but anyways, this is just our first show. So That's we're, right. again, just so thankful that you tuned in. We're not going to waste any more of your time. We're going to jump right into it. To get us kicked off, we're going to talk bowl games just any bowl games uh mm-hmm. obviously georgia's playing in the big one that we want to talk about the most That's but right. we're going to talk bowl games because we've got we've had several good bowl games and good matchups um they haven't all gotten to play right we'll get into and, and honestly if you want to hear uh the latest about covid policies and stuff like that regarding the playoff uh just go back and listen to our previous emergency episode uh but so we're not going to get into that too much here we'll talk about some of the frustrating uh things and in, in, in occurrences with canceling bowl games um but kind of to to start it off let's uh let's i, I just real quick want to talk about this um the holiday bowl Mm-hmm. In uh, where is that at? San Francisco, yep. San Diego, San, San Diego, San Diego, San Diego. Diego. My bad, That's San right. Diego, NC State. Now, for for those listening, um, my grandfather played football for NC State, so I've got a little bit of bias towards the Wolfpack, um, and still have family. And I called my cousin last night to talk to him about this. Um, by now, it's common news. NC State was supposed to play UCLA. And UCLA pulled out five hours before kickoff. The day of. The day of the That's game. Right. Uh, and so, now, today it was announced that they officially canceled it. They could not find NC State another team to play. Uh, they gave NC State the trophy, which obviously was the right thing to do. And here comes NC State all the way back across the country to Raleigh. But it's not the same. It is Winning not the same. a trophy by default is not the same. Now, lo and behold, we'll say that here. If we win the national championship by default, I don't care. I will be happy, but it won't be the same. That's right. And I mean, it would, it's better than winning, it's better than losing it, whether you have an asterisk or not. Absolutely. However, you will always have the asterisk. It's kind of like I know last season with the shortened season, the SEC only schedule, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, if you win it, you know, on the shortened season, yeah, you want it, but, and there's always a but. Yeah. There's never just, you want it, you're the best team, that's it. And so that I mean, the perfect example of that is the Dodgers World Series in 2020. That's right. Um, and and everyone says, oh, that yeah, they they won the World Series. And let's face it, they were a good team for a long time leading up to it. But I mean, the bottom line is, it's not fun to get sent home, especially when you went all the way across the country. And right. that's what NC State did. And there were a lot of fans that spent thousands of dollars on tickets. Yeah. On okay, probably not on tickets, but still on airfare. On, on hotels, hotels, on airfare, the few that things paid that the, the gas to drive out there. Because right. I know that there are going to be some people. I mean, shoot, when, when Georgia played in the Rose Bowl, people just road tripped out there because why not? You leave on Christmas Day, you drive on out there, and you get there in time for kickoff. And you see the whole country and come time. back. Exactly. And, That's right. And, and bottom line is this. Um, I hate it for, for all of the teams going through this. Every single team going through this, I mean, that is not a fun way to 
end your season. No, it's not. Is and the problem with that is is these kids because I said and we said that last. We're not going to go into a whole COVID tangent. Everyone's sick of hearing about. It. I'm sick of hearing about it. Yep. But all these kids who were like seniors who came back and played for their senior season, you know, you're you're ending your season on a. I mean, who knows who was better? I mean, I have no doubt that NC State still would have won, but sure. But I mean, you'll 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 never know for sure just because they won it by default. And so, and and you're talking about a team like NC State, that time where the ACC is vulnerable, mm-hmm. and ten win teams recruit better than nine win teams. Let's just be real. Um, Clemson is vulnerable right now. Right. I don't care what you say. Uh, their defensive um, coordinator, one of the best, if not the best, in the last ten years, it's Oklahoma. Yeah, he's he's gone. That's right, and, and that's one of the best recruiters for Clemson too. And so all of a sudden, Clemson's vulnerable. They might not be this powerhouse in the ACC anymore. They're going to be a part of the conversation every single year. Don't get me wrong, right? But it's not going to be Clemson in the ACC championship every single year. And so this was NC State's shot to say, "Hey, we can be a ten-win team too. We can be a ten-win team, have a ten-win season, and we can." You know, uh, we we can recruit with the best of them because, I mean, where does Georgia get a lot of the best athletes that we have? North Carolina. And so if NC State started to recruit to stay home, they could do some pretty decent things. Um, I don't think they're on track to make a college football playoff anytime soon. But at the same time, um, with the given talent, I mean, sometimes it just takes that breaking that barrier of a 10-win season. Uh, and they're not going to get the opportunity to this year. Right, and and make no mistake, being in the national spotlight helps your recruits. Georgia sure. didn't start recruiting. like Even when Mike Rick was still at Georgia, Georgia still was like top ten recruiting teams year after year, and he was a good recruiter for that. And we didn't have some years where you know we cracked the top five, but you still – you don't cross that next level. It's where you're competing yeah. with Ohio State. You're competing with Alabama. You're competing with Clemson. You're competing with all these teams, and – in case you haven't noticed, all those teams I just mentioned are in the top three, four every single year. Out of those teams, I pretty much have just went down the history of the playoffs and, and pretty much named every team that has at least been in the playoffs at least no once, doubt. if not multiple years. And so being in the national spotlight, having the chance to play for a big game and then moving and taking that next step makes a big difference. And, and you know, you, you got to give them the, the chance. to And canceling a game the day of like yeah. that, you can't. I mean, that's I know, cheap. I mean, right. UCLA should have – and I don't know what you can do. I mean, there's a rumor going around that UCLA players were sitting in a room and they voted on whether or not they wanted to play. And that is cheap. That if, Well, that, and that it's, shows – And it's just some defensive linemen. Right. And that shows – Are there not second stringers that can go in? Exactly. And that shows the dying importance of – bowl games in college football and why the playoffs need to be expanded. But we're not going to go into that. That's going to be another topic for another day. Uh, Let's go ahead and let's get right into the New Year's Six Bowl games, starting off with the one that kicks off tomorrow night uh, to get all of the NY6 games started. Pitt at – or I say Pitt at Michigan State. It's Pitt and Michigan State um, at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, and I'm actually going to get the chance to uh, go and be at this game tomorrow night. I'm really looking forward to it. I've actually never been inside this stadium. You say, Kent, but Georgia's gotten to play in it so many times. That's so awesome. Look, here, I'm just going to be honest. The average ticket price for those games has been about $650, and that's about $630 more than what my budget <laughs> is. And, and I kid you not, I paid $20 for my ticket to get in the game. And that's what I want to talk about first. Why is this game, the Peach Bowl, 
that Georgia fans were hype about last year. Uh, not, I mean, yeah, we were disappointed we weren't in the playoff, but we were hype about last year because we got a chance to beat uh, Cincinnati and to win another New Year's Six Bowl trophy with Kirby Smart um, because it's always better than not. But, I mean, just just looking at this game, just for starters, um, the the pit quarterback who Kenny changed the game, Kenny by the way, with that fake slide that's now illegal, not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Walker, the, the running back for Michigan State, not playing. Yep. These these players are opting out, and so there's there's nobody that that is left really wanting to go to this bowl game. I mean, if you're a Michigan State fan, are you going to drive all the way to Atlanta to go to this game where your backups are playing? I remember driving down to the Sugar Bowl in uh, twenty. It was New Year's Day, twenty nineteen, and Georgia was playing Texas. And when we saw Georgia come out for warmups, my dad looked at me and said. You know, that's a different team. A different team that I've seen play all year. And at first, it's kind of like, hmm, metaphorical, cool. Uh, no, it was legitimately a different team. Every <laughs> single name, <laughs> every single player. There, there was not, I mean, uh, Jake Fromm. I mean, that was, that was pretty much it. The offensive yeah. line was gone. I mean, there were so many players gone, defensive players gone. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia did not show up and want to play in that game at all. And they did not care about having a shot. To, to win that game until there were about three minutes left and it was too late. Right. And right. so, um, you know, it's just. It, I, it, it really shows. So here's my, my, my opinion on the whole thing is if you're going to go play in a bowl game, then play the bowl game. Look, I get it. If you're in a peach bowl, you want it to be in the playoffs. You want it to be in, you know, one of the, one of the two playoff games. I get it. I understand it. Georgia was on that side of things last year. And you know you, you you want to move that direction, but, but you know what I what what people don't get, and what I don't get about Pitt, there is a lot to be won here for Pitt. We're right. talking about a twelve win season. They are turning the program a around. Where, where, where were they season. a few years ago? I mean, I don't have it pulled up on you know. Well, they're still beating Clemson, but I mean, everyone kind of picks on Clemson, right? Every now and then. Right. I mean, yeah, they they've got some national championships, and I know Georgia doesn't. And so, if there's a Clemson fan listening to that, you're just waiting for your jab, but. Clemson, uh, <laughs> the last time he beat us, I'm pretty confident, was before. Uh, it might not have been before I was born. It might have been. When, when was it? Was it in the early 1000s or early 90s? No, what was this? Exactly. The last time Clemson beat us. They beat us. No, it was a few years ago. I want to say it was like 2013. 20, 2013, 2013. My bad, my bad. Right. But I that's the only time. That game, but, that's the only time in my lifetime that Clemson's beat us. So, uh, you know, uh, and I know we don't play a whole lot, but your bragging rights don't work. And your bragging happens. rights only go as far as your winning streak will let it. That That's right. And, uh, <laughs> which Georgia's right now is zero, but we're hoping to pick up one this weekend on Friday night in the Orange Bowl. But we're going to get to that game in just a second. But uh, enough about the Peach Bowl, and, and I look forward to sharing with you all what I think about attending this game. Um, like I said, I've never been to a game in the stadium before. And so it's going to be really interesting just to see um, to see what it's like. You know, I've been to one New Year's Six Bowl, and it was Georgia playing Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, yeah, it was miserable to watch us lose, but it was a really neat experience. And I look forward to seeing that, to getting that kind of experience out of a bowl game again. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, 
but uh, really don't know what to expect. I, I still think Michigan State's going to win. Um, I, I think that they've just kind of been the better team all year, uh, but you still don't know which team's going to show up. So. Shout out to Mel Tucker. Yeah, Mel Tucker. That's the only reason I'm there. That's right. For Mel Tucker. <laughs> I want to um, see that, man. Mel Tucker and Sam Pittman. If you want to see two teams yes. other than Georgia succeed, yes. let's go after Arkansas and Michigan State because those are there two good go. guys. There you good go. Coaches. Um, I might try to find some green tomorrow to wear just, just for him. Um, I actually went that. to a Duke-Miami game right after. Uh, it was actually 2016. No, 20. Yeah, it was 2016. Uh, Duke-Miami game. And uh, no, it was 2017. My bad. It was 2017. Went to a Duke-Miami game. Uh, Duke was uh, home and uh, Coach Rick came to town. It was it was weird. Like, has, has have you ever seen, like, your, your dad leave one job and go to another job? And he's, like, working around different people. He's got a different uniform. And he's got like, – that's kind of what it felt like was, like – you know, Daddy Coach Rick had gone and put on another hoodie and was coaching for a different team. But that's still that's still the same old guy and the same old guy that I like to root for. It's cool that he's back in Athens now anyways. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're done talking about the Peach Bowl. We're going to talk about uh, the next uh, New Year's Six Bowl. Um, we're going to kind of come back to uh, the one that I'm – obviously the Orange Bowl that we're going to really enjoy talking about. But – uh, the, the next one that I want to talk about is the Fiesta Bowl, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State, Notre Dame. Um, have you heard about any opt-outs for this game? I'm kind of out of the loop. No, I'm not. I'm not hundred percent in the loop with that one as well. I haven't heard anything that's made major news. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, Notre Dame has been a, a pretty, pretty well rebooted team this season compared to what they were last year. Uh, they had a lot of seniors and things like that. Ian Book, you know, he moved on. And so they, they, ha- they don't really have like any real big names they're preparing for the draft or anything like that. So I don't think – I wouldn't think they would have a whole lot of opt-outs. Uh, I know Oklahoma State, I know that they, they have a few seniors and names like that. Yeah. But, you know, if they if they do have any opt-outs, there's nothing major going on. I, I like think. I like Oklahoma State's chances. I really do. I mean, yeah. Notre Dame's got uh, just, just one loss this season, and that was to Cincinnati, who's in the college football playoff. Um, the coaching carousel is what's going to kill them, though. The, the whole thing of Brian – how Brian Kelly – Left. Yeah, but did you see who stepped up? Right, it was was it Marcus Freeman? Yeah, he was he's, there. He was their assistant coach or defensive he, he was coordinator. on staff there already. Right, and, uh, dude seems legit. Right, I and like I mean he he he'll, he'll do he'll the do team well. Team's rallying there. around him too. Right, and he'll he'll do well over there. But you know you you can't necessarily change coaches. Then no doubt, and, and that and no again moment. that's going back to and I think that Oklahoma State's been the more complete team all season. I think that right. they get their twelfth win. Right. Uh, you know, um, I agree. and probably. And what has the potential to be a not very close game? Um, looking at the favorite right now, ESPN has Notre Dame winning it. The line and the point spread right now is Notre Dame by two and a half. I'm a little surprised by that, but uh, again, anything could happen. I expect Oklahoma State. Uh, this is bold. Two touchdowns. Two I touchdowns. could, I could, I could see them. They're Big Twelve offense, so I could see them putting some points on the board. And that one is New Year's Day, one p.m. Um, the next one that we're going to talk about here, uh, and, and one that I'm uh, excited to talk about because this one's going to be a pretty interesting game, Ohio State and Utah. Dude, Utah is straight up dangerous right now to play Utah against. came to life at the they end did. of the season. Yeah, they, I mean, I remember, um, you know, it was kind of fun uh, when I was in college and, and, and we would play uh, that NCAA 14 video game all the time. And uh, I remember my roommate, Sam Bartlett, uh, he would – play as utah the utes every single time 
every single time. And it was always funny watching them, a team that I, in my lifetime hasn't been extremely relevant in college football, but like win several national championships in a row with, with him playing with as them, you know. But here they are in real life uh, with a chance to finish the season in the top 10, uh, win the Rose Bowl. Did you see the helmets that they're going to be wearing? I did not. They got the the regular Utah logo on it mm. with a rose laying in it, dude. They're beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. Legit. Um, much better than what Virginia Tech is wearing. Um, Virginia Tech tried to adapt their helmet to fit their venue, and they're wearing it's literally the New York Yankees logo since they're playing in the Pinstripe Bowl. I don't like that. You got some seniors out there. Their last game with the team. Let them wear that VT one more time. But we're not talking about the pinstripe bowl. We're talking about the Rose Bowl. Uh, Utah and Ohio State. Uh, I mean, obviously Ohio State's the favorite. Duh. I mean, you just they've they've got the the Heisman contenders. They've got they've got everything. Um, and, and you know they're given a, a near sixty eight percent chance by the ESPN Power uh, Index. It's hard to argue with that. Um, but I, I'm just gonna say I, I wouldn't want to be playing Utah right now. Well, and. On the flip side of the coin, you have an angry Ohio State because everybody knows in the sport of football, it's an emotional game. And so Ohio State just got blown out by their, like, number one, like, put the, they put the X's on the M's all over campus and all that stuff. Like That's the last your, time that, they played, they hit the field, wasn't it? Right. Your, your, little, your little brother just beat you up. Yeah. And so I think they're going to be playing angry. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see Ohio State by at least two touchdowns. Utah's good. I'm not taking anything away from Utah. Is that going to be your, your take? Uh, so the the favorite right now is Ohio State, four and a half, and mm-hmm. you're going to take them by 14? I, well, I, I'll take away two touchdowns. I'll say double digits. How double digits. That? Double digits. Yeah, I like that. I, yeah. I think Ohio State wins it. Um, I think that they've got to come back and they've got to score a field goal. They, they've got to kick, you know, or, you know, Get a, get a late field goal, late touchdown, something like that to, to get a lead um, late in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be potential to be very high-scoring game kind of uh, I can see a that. shootout. Uh, let, me, let me look at the over-under. That's one thing I probably should have looked at first. Um, the over-under uh, is, is 64. So, okay. I mean, not – not the the highest scoring game, but still, I I, I think that they I think it's over. Mm. I think it's over. That right. much better. I, I, I think I would think potentially 70, 71. Right. I can see them putting something like that up. But anyways, so that's the Rose Bowl. They kick off on Saturday, five p.m. Uh, not gonna want to miss that one. Just watching the sunset during a game at at you know they're they're in, in Pasadena. I mean that's just. Even on TV, it's a beautiful sight. Right. Uh, I've never been to the Rose Bowl. That's a bucket list that I want to experience one day. Um, moving on now to one that I have experienced in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, Baylor and Ole Miss. Um, man, what, what do you think about this one? I, I mean, again, do we know of any uh, you know opt-outs for this game? Matt Corral is playing, right? I'm not seeing otherwise, and, and we could Ole be. Miss. I, I think okay, safe to say, <laughs> Matt Corral plays. Congratulations, Ole Miss, on your first eleven win season in program. Absolutely, history. Matt Corral should have went to New York for the Heisman. I'm just saying, I, Matt Corral. He certainly isn't the best quarterback. I think that that Bryce Young is a quarterback. Like, I don't know if I've seen Saban in his time at Alabama. I don't know if this is high praise, but I don't know if I've seen him 
produce a better quarterback. I mean, he's better than Tua. He's better than Mac Jones. He's better than um, Jalen Hurts. All these other quarterbacks. There's I've certainly debates to be had there, but um, you know, I I, I do think that that you're right though, and and Corral should have at least been considered. Right, and and Corral, he he he's just he's an athlete because he's obviously he's a quarterback. He can throw the ball, he can move the ball down the field. No doubt, but he's an athlete. He can move it with his legs and. Football in this day and age is becoming a two-dimensional game. You can't just be a pocket passer. The days of quarterbacks like Tom Brady, and although Tom Brady obviously is still killing it at, what, 44 years old now in the NFL, but you have these quarterbacks who are one-dimensional who are succeeding, but you're seeing more and more of that go away. Absolutely. And with Matt Crowell being two-dimensional like he is, I think that that, that makes Ole Miss a, a favorite in that game as well. I don't see Baylor hanging with really. uh, So uh, just so that you all know, uh, the favorite in this game is Ole Miss by a point and a half. That'll be a um, close one, though. I don't think they'll run over. You think it'll be a close one? I, I think. I think if Matt Corral is on and that offense is on, uh, I think that. Man, I'm sorry. I just. I think maybe two or three touchdowns, mm-hmm. definitely double digits. Uh, but you know, if if there's any any struggle at all, Baylor's going to take advantage of that. They're a good enough team too, and and Baylor certainly. Um, I'm not going to be shocked if Baylor wins. Uh, it's not going to be one of those things that's like, wow, how did they do that? Baylor's been a good team all season, too. They've right. been consistent, and uh, they've earned their spot in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, that Sugar Bowl kicks off at 8.45 p.m. Saturday evening um, on New Year's Day. Now, the big ones. We're going to have a whole segment completely designated to the Orange Bowl. As we wrap up this first segment, talking about New Year's Six Bowl games, Cincinnati, Alabama, tell me, even if you don't believe it, tell me why Cincinnati wins this football game. So it's funny that you asked me that because I, I looked up several different stats and, and, and different uh, statistics that, that kind of played out as the season uh, progressed. And, and you could see really how Cincinnati – so, look, everybody gets it. They're not a power five. They're a group of five. They had to scratch and claw and bite to get their way even to and be considered did. in the playoffs. And they did because they went undefeated. But with that being said, Cincinnati actually has been statistically, if not level with Bama in most categories, higher than Bama in a lot of categories. And, you know, what what has hurt Alabama? Alabama's a tricky thing this year because they – they're, they're Bama, they're Saban, we get it, we know what comes with that. We know there's the Bama factor is what they call it. But they're not the same team they normally are. Yes, they, they wallop Georgia. They we, we know, we watched every single second of that game. We know. We know how Bryce Young looked. He, he you know, he, he tore through our defense like no one else had yet this season. However, if you look at the body of work, you look at what Alabama has done throughout the entire season, you, from game from week one to the Iron Bowl against Auburn, they couldn't score against Auburn. I know they lit us up, but if we're looking at 12 games compared to the one game over the 12-game span, they they scored and they kind of treaded water, but their defense really made it hard for them to win some games, especially against A&M. And Absolutely. I think that that is what gives Cincinnati a, a chance more than anything. Desmond Ritter is a good quarterback, um, and Cincinnati is going to bring their A game. Everybody keeps saying that Cincinnati doesn't have a chance. Cincinnati doesn't have a chance. They have a chance. I believe if – I wouldn't say that it's completely unforeseeable to see Cincinnati pulling out a win. 
Absolutely. I really want, and I'm not saying they're not gonna they're not gonna clobber Alabama. No, Alabama's not gonna clobber Cincinnati either, though. Is what I'm saying. And so, sure, I can see it being a one score game either way, and it's a toss up. I really don't. Uh, my my gut is telling me to go with with Bama because they're Bama. Here's what, but here's what everybody does, and even we do. Um, Alabama's going to win because they're Alabama, and Cincinnati's going to lose because they're Cincinnati. Right. And so, and I, I I was looking at some stats. If Cincinnati wins, they win because their offense is more spread out. They win right. because they're they're more even killed with their offense. They can with the running game and the, the passing run game. and the pass. That's right. Um, and their defense is pretty stout against the the pass in particular. Um, they're pretty stout. It looks like their secondary uh, doesn't give up a whole lot of yards. Now, why Alabama is going to win this football game, Cincinnati allows 137 yards per rush, and you have to imagine Alabama's going to get more than 137 yards. You mean 137 per game? Per game. <laughs> per, Not rush. per rush. That's rough. That'd break all kinds of records. <laughs> all right, so 137 yards per game. Uh, and... You have to imagine Alabama's going to be over that. And I just think that any game that Alabama has 140 yards rushing or more, they're going to win. Um, because you got to add to that uh, the – I mean, and they average rushing 147 yards a game. That's all they need. That is all they need. They're going to do 350 through the air anyways. Um, you know, Cincinnati averages 250 as, what, as uh, you know – wait, no, 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 that's what they average. They average giving up 170. And so if, uh, you know, they average giving up 170 and, and Alabama's coming in thinking, hey, we're going to get our 350, something's going to give. And I think that it's going to be Cincinnati's defense because let's just face it, they haven't played an offense like they're going to experience on Saturday night. So all that said, Alabama could lay an egg. They have this year already. Almost in about three separate games, they have laid – just unridiculously, almost near unforgivable eggs. Um, one of them actually cost them a win against an unranked team, and now they're going to have to beat the number four team in the nation. Now they already beat the number one team in the nation, so we know that they can do it. Um, mm. But this isn't going to be something to where uh, you know you cut you, you just look over this game and look forward to the Orange Bowl because it's not going to be a game. No, this one's. I, I would stay tuned in at least to the first half of this one. And here's here here's another question for you. So you you referenced A and M against Alabama. So do you think that a unranked Texas A and M is better than Cincinnati? I think that they have more talent. You think that A and M has more talent than than? I think Cincinnati? they've got more recruited raw talent. I could I could agree with the recruiting part, but just like I said earlier, with football being an emotional game. Cincinnati has their shot. No doubt. I said that a few minutes ago whenever I was saying how they had to scratch, claw, and bite their way to get to where they are in the playoffs. This is their shot. You know, you how, how does it go? This is your moment. You better, better never let it go. You only got one shot and lose yourself by Eminem, whatever. This is their one shot. Yeah. And uh, and and because of the, the, the raw, they are going to be ready to go. When you're talking about a team that's ready to go, they're going to be ready to go. And so, I I don't know if I want to pick Cincinnati. No, but but I don't I don't know if I want to pick Bama. It depends on which Bama shows up. No doubt. Which and uh, in that game, by the way, the uh, 
I mean, this is going to be a good one. The Cotton Bowl Classic. Uh, Alabama, obviously the favorite. ESPN uh, Football Power Index has them as a 71% chance of winning. I do think that is a bit generous given what we just discussed. Um, the point spread, 13 and a half. Uh, Cincinnati's not going to be happy about that. They're going to feel disrespected. Um, As they over have all under, year. Yeah. That's and, more motivation. Absolutely. The over-under 57 and a half. I'm really excited about this game. This is going to be a fun one to watch for sure. They kick off in the Cotton Bowl Classic at 3.30 p.m. New Year's Eve, right before the Orange Bowl. And when we come back from this quick break, we're going to bring you all of our in-depth, detailed thoughts about the Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida, the Georgia Bulldogs, and the Michigan Wolverines. Like we mentioned before, uh, we're just two uh, good old country boys from Madison County. And if y'all happen to live in or around Comer, Georgia, Madison County, I'll tell you what, I, I would love to see y'all come out and visit us here at Comer Baptist Church. Like I introduced myself, I am the next generation pastor here at Comer Baptist Church. I get to hang out with the kids every other Sunday morning during Children's Church. I get to uh, have a blast on Wednesday nights with our youth. We actually currently are recording a podcast on Wednesday night called uh, Comer Students. And you can find us also right here on Spotify. And we, we would love for you to come and be a part of what God is doing here at Comer Baptist Church. We're having a blast. If you're looking for a good church family, someone who's not going to maybe uh, judge you for, um, you know, skipping out during COVID for too long, uh, and you're just looking for a place to get, um, you know, just kind of looking for a place to get plugged back in, and you live in the Madison County area, man, I'm telling you, we would love to have you come and visit us and hang out with us here at Comer Baptist Church. Uh, we are located right smack downtown, giant brick building, green metal roof. You can't miss us. All right, let's get rolling. So uh, this is the moment that we've been waiting for. Uh, this is Georgia versus Michigan, the Bulldogs and the Wolverines. Absolutely. I am so stoked for this football game. This matchup uh, is a college football fan's dream. If you don't care about Georgia and you don't care about Michigan, you're going to find yourself in front of the TV uh, if you care about college sports in general when this game is going on because this one is going to be old school smash mouth football at its finest. And uh, as a college football purist, I cannot wait for this one to kick off at 7.30 p.m. on New Year's Eve. Very, very evenly matched teams in, in Michigan and in Georgia. They they both kind of play into each other's strengths and weaknesses. You know, if, if either one of them, you know, if, is there an offense, you know, maybe a, a little bit, the run game may be a little bit slack. Well, then you have Michigan over there, and then you have Aiden Hutchinson over there. You have one of the best defensive linemen or defensive end, rather, in the country. And and so, you know, they, they, they both play to their own strengths and weaknesses against each other, and they, they match up very well. I think that, that Michigan-Georgia could potentially be closer than whatever the national championship matchup may end up being, whether it's Georgia-Cincinnati, Alabama-Michigan, whatever it may be. I think that could potentially be the closest game in the playoffs. I think that it could come down to – I think we could look back on this game with the same fondness we look back on the Rose Bowl with. Right. Uh, because I do think that Georgia fans are going to be happy with the result of this game. Uh, but, you know, it's just going to be one of those we look back on with fondness. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the closest game, 
but it's going to be a good game, and it's going to be a competitive game for at least, uh, I think, three, three and a half quarters. We'll kind of get into that with our expectations and our picks later on. Um, but let's go ahead. Let's talk about the giant um, elephant in the room. Uh, JT Daniels and George Bacon's test positive for COVID uh, about a week ago. Um, and we're looking very unlikely to even be able to make the trip to Miami. Uh, the dogs get off the buses there at the hotel in Miami, and they are nowhere to be seen two days later. A bus shows up with them on it. Here comes JT and Here George. Here comes JT. Here comes George. That's they, right. they got the, the positive tests they needed. Uh, actually, most reports show that George never had COVID, that he just a had a false positive, right? positive um, which is frustrating. If we have to, if we, if we end up having to forfeit this game to fault because of false positives, uh, there are going to be a lot of angry people in this world, but uh, that's another conversation that we had another time and go back and listen to that emergency episode concerning COVID protocol. Uh, not something that we like to talk about. So we're not, um, but let's talk about the fact that uh, Georgia's getting healthy and Michigan has had some concern with their defense, a couple of defensive players, potentially key, key, key defensive, defensive players. players. Uh, not on the trip uh, as of yet. Now, they could still show up, but the question is, uh, are they going to be ready to play? Are they going to be 100%? And someone got the same question for JT. Someone could ask the same question for George. Listen, George hasn't been ready to go all season long. No. He just came back against Bama, wasn't it? The first game that he came back. The first game that I noticed he made a difference anyways. Where he, he, he had a couple of catches in the Georgia Tech game. Right, right. Where he he would get some catches here and there. But as far as like meaningful plays, the first game that I, that I noticed that he was playing in was Bama. And so you you won't have you'll have some Georgia guys who won't be hundred percent. You'll have some Michigan. So it, it kind of evens out. Um but but really it's about who is carrying the hot hand and who is is who is here's, coping the best? Here's what I want to kind of focus on, though, um, or maybe not focus on this, but we're, we're, I'm just going to mention this really quick, and we'll move on to what I want to focus on. Uh, the fact that what I'm really excited about is the fact that Georgia's getting healthier. And uh, just imagine right. the morale when when those boys just get hype when JT and George walk into that room, and they're like, hey, look who showed up. Look who made the trip. Look who's in Miami. Um, regardless of whether or not they get on the field, uh, the morale that that brings to a team has got to be outstanding. Uh, but aside from that, Georgia's health seems to be peaking. Michigan's, uh, you know, they've got some uncertainties. Uh, but regardless, there's a game to play. And, you know, we talk about George Pickens. This is what I want to focus on. Not whether or not he had COVID, but is he 100% yet? And I think the resounding answer to that is no. Right. He's not 100%. Right. Um, we would have seen him more, obviously, against Alabama if he was. Now, he had a magnificent catch downfield. But some things that he's still lacking in is longevity. Uh, he's not able to be out there for every single play, making all the blocks, making all the um, – running all the routes and being there in that sense. Uh, and then also his speed. His speed's going to come back. He's going to be a monster athlete in the NFL. Uh, but he's just not there yet right, right. now. And he doesn't need to push it for his own career sake, and I respect that. Um, he will. I just just because that's the kind of guy he is. He's not going to leave anything out there. He will. Um, but you know, 
there's a chance that I think Georgia fans need to be prepared. And this is what we're going to talk about first. George Pickens and JT Daniels may not see a single snap on Friday night. And what my job is and what I'm going to try to do right now is convince you why that is not the end of the world, why that is not a bad thing. I know Josh has got another opinion on that. He's got some other, and he's got some excellent points, uh, you know, but, but Josh, you know, what, what do you think? I mean, I, obviously I know that you think Georgia needs to ride with JT the whole way. Um, and JT's given us a lot of examples of why he is such a good quarterback, but why do you think he's the guy to start specifically against Michigan? in the Orange Bowl, in the situation that we're in right now, him coming back from COVID, why does he still need to play for us to get the win on Friday night? So I'll start out by saying that Stetson got us to where we are. We wouldn't be undefeated if it wasn't for Stetson Bennett. And I don't think there's a Georgia fan out there who's not grateful for the impact that Stetson Bennett's had on absolutely, the absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm not taking anything away from Stetson. Stetson's a good athlete. You know, he's, he's a lifer at Georgia. He came to Georgia. He transferred to a JUCO, and then he transferred back to Georgia. And he made, he made you know, despite all the, the, the uncertainties of last year, you know, he, he made a season out of it last year as well. And, and we had a good season, even though it didn't end in the playoffs. We had a good season. Um, but here here is where the line between JT and Stetson Absolutely. is drawn. Where that line is drawn is – Stetson has to fight more of an uphill battle than JT. And what I mean by that is Stetson, the height is important in quarterback position. You mm-hmm. hear people say all the time, you know, Stetson's 5'10". JT is, what, 6'2"-ish, 3-ish, something like that. He's he's in the, the low sixes, but he's average height for a quarterback. Sure. Uh, when when you're a quarterback in, in the NFL and in the college game especially, you – your your height matters because you have these big six four three hundred pound offensive linemen and defensive yeah. linemen. And JT is six three. Six three. And 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 they and they are standing between you and your receivers. And so Yeah. I being mean able Stetson to, is five eleven, by the way. Five eleven, excuse me, five eleven, but he's sub six feet. Sure. Uh, and so if, if your guys well, that's in four front, inches. If you're if your guys that's in front of you, if your guys in front of you have four or five inches on you, height wise, then all of a sudden you not only can you not see, but you can't make the ball over there because they're going to put their hands up. You're trained from from a little. And from, I will empathize with you on that. There are so many times where we say, oh, man, well, you know, Stetson can run. Stetson can get out of a sack. Stetson can get out of the backfield when he needs to. And he can for the most part. Right. But how many of those times would JT have seen somebody streaking wide open downfield? Because and he had the height. The and, and, he the and, height. and I don't want to spend too long on the height because the height isn't the difference. The difference between JT Daniels as that's right. been, it isn't four inches in height. There's more than that. Stetson can make plays with his legs. That JT doesn't necessarily – not saying he can't, but he hasn't shown that he can consistently do that. Um, what the Alabama game exploited with us at quarterback in particular is that up to that game, we had never had to be great on offense. Our defense was holding everybody that we played to – at least and below they double set digits. Our offense up well. Right, we'd get the ball on the other side of the fifty Absolutely. yard line every time, just about it. And so, because our defense played so spectacular, and because our defense left us in such a good position to score, our offense, you know, we just had to. He had to hand to Zamir, make a few plays with his legs, hit a few yep. guys on some curl routes that brought Bowers, whatever. 
we get a touchdown and we go up by two or three touchdowns and then it'd be smooth sailing from there. And so because of that, Stetson never had to be great. Where the difference between him and JT lies is JT pushes the ball downfield. If I'm picking a quarterback who I think can not just score a touchdown and win a game, but who can go and flip the outcome of the game from a potential loss to a potential win, if our defense is not on their A game, if yeah. we give up 30 points, whatever it may be, to Michigan, sure. where we have to score, where we're not getting the ball on the other side of the 50, I think that JT has the skill set and the height of a more of a pro-style quarterback where he's going to spread the ball out. And if Pickens plays or whether he doesn't play, he's going to hit those receivers downfield that Stetson won't necessarily hit, nor has he had to hit until the Alabama game up until this point. So uh, you've given us a very good detailed uh, uh, you know, reason for JT to be the man on Friday night. Um, I'm going to tell you, Actually, I'm going to let Stetson Bennett, courtesy of Dog Post on Instagram, tell you why uh, he's going to be the guy that goes out and gets the start. Uh, this is Stetson Bennett uh, during playoff interviews, and he cut right to the chase on this. Let me see if I can get it for y'all. You can't put any value on people who really have no clue what they're talking about talking. Um, I wouldn't listen to myself if I was given a speech on heart surgery. Um, not comparing football to heart surgery, but it's the same kind of gist. Stetson's right. At the end of the day, we're not in the uh, the quarterback room. We're not with Todd Munkin when he's watching Stetson right. take his reps. We're not on the sidelines. We don't know what's going through his head. We don't know what's going on. I am a firm believer. Now, let me get this straight. We're going to talk about who should play in the national championship game. If that, if it comes to that, if we're fortunate enough to be able to do a national championship preview for the Georgia Bulldogs, whoever we play against, and we'll, I, my idea and my line of thinking might completely change. But Stetson Bennett can, and I believe will, beat Michigan. And and to be completely forward and be completely honest, it's all about a couple of things. Um, first of all, the argument right now for JT is if we get in a shootout, if we if it's a high scoring game, if if this, if that, Michigan is not gonna force a whole lot of points on us. They're not. It's not gonna be a high scoring game. If Stetson puts up the same amount of points that he put up in the SEC championship game. We're fine. I firmly believe that. And so I don't think that Georgia fans should be panicking at all, even if you will, you know, just absolutely uh, be JT's ride or die and, and be his, you know, the, the guy, you know, even if you're the one pulling for him and, and saying he should be starting in every single game, uh, Stetson can and I believe will beat Michigan. I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I don't think that's going to matter. I think JT's going to get an opportunity to get to Miami, get some reps. He's going to be able to get back in sync. And, you know, as far as George Pickens goes, uh, we haven't had him all season. And we've been just fine without him. We need to stick to the game plan. We didn't do that against Alabama. We got away from it fast because they scored so fast. What? And, and, and because they were scoring fast, mm -hmm. we quit running the ball. 
That's right. We got and away we from one running game and became one dimensional. Michigan right. could theoretically take our run game away and force us to throw with Stetson. Even if they do that, I don't think that they're going to be forcing enough points to really make it that big of a threat for us. But even if they do that, um, I just I don't see that being an issue as far as Stetson having to come out of the game because he can't put the points up or he's making so many mistakes. I, I think he could even afford one or two picks in this game as long as they don't both go for six. I think he could afford a couple of mistakes in this game um, because let's just be real, uh, Michigan's defense is stout. They're not going to take away Georgia's run game. I don't believe that they are stout enough to completely sell out on the run game and not let Stetson burn them. Uh, we, we forget that we have two of the best tight ends in the entire nation on our team uh, with Brock Bowers and uh, Lad McConkey. We've got a legitimate opportunity to use, especially Bowers' explosiveness, uh, to our advantage. And I don't think we're going to run up the score. I'm not, t- I'm not trying to sit here and tell you uh, that this isn't going to be an issue because we're going to win 42 to 10. No, it's not going to be that kind of a game. Um, but if you look at most of the games we played this season, they weren't all like that. In conference play, and I think that we'd have to compare Michigan to a lot of our tougher conference opponents that we've played this year, if we're going to compare it to anyone that we've played against. I don't think they compare to Alabama. But we'd have to compare them to, to other teams that we've played against, tougher teams in the SEC. And when you compare them to those teams, um, or, and when you look at how Georgia played against teams like that, I mean, okay, you and I were both at the Georgia-Arkansas game. Arkansas came into that game, and what were they going to do? They were going to run it down our throats, right? Like, that's what they had been doing to everybody. And what if that doesn't work? Oh, they've got a quarterback who can pretty much get the job done if he needs to. And that didn't work either. They didn't score. Now, I don't think we're going to shut out Michigan either. No, we're not. I, we're not going to shut out Michigan. They're, they're going to get some points on us, no doubt. Um, but don't take credit away from our defense and being able to do not. what they've done all season. And, and here's the thing. Stetson's going to be the guy. Kirby has came out, and he, he hasn't guaranteed Stetson to start, but Stetson's going to be the guy. You know that. Absolutely. everybody. Know, I know that. Everybody else knows that. So Stetson's going to be the starting quarterback, and I'm not – I'm not saying that 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 I would be completely shocked if Stetson can lead us to a national championship. Sure. I'm saying that if you get to a stage to where Kirby's had way too long of a leash with, with Stetson. And there there's a lot of people that agree with that. I'm quarterbacks are gonna make mistakes. They're human. The best of quarterbacks have have made mistakes. You do it every single game that's part of being a, a real athlete. And Absolutely. and so I'm not saying as soon as, you know, Stetson throws a few incompletions or gets a few batted balls, pull them then. But what I'm saying is if we get into particularly the second half of the game and all of a sudden we start really having to huff it and really having to to fight to to score and put points on the board and keep up with Michigan, that should be a stage to where just like what Bama did against us in, in the national championship to where they had Jalen Hurts yeah. and they pulled – sometimes – it's not necessarily because you're trying to switch quarterbacks because you feel like one necessarily has a better chance to win you the game, but it's because you have a different person. I get that. 
and I don't disagree with that. I think, obviously, if one quarterback's not getting the job done, the other one needs to come in. Be the same thing as JT and you put in stats. Sure, sure. I'm just saying, simply, plain and simple, that's not going to be an issue this weekend against Michigan. Um, And I'm not trying to get too cocky or too big-headed or or too (laughs) boastful in in Georgia because, dadgummit, they've broken my heart. Um, but I don't think that's going to be an issue. Uh, I think that Georgia's going to be able to hang on to it and, and we're going to be just fine. So, uh, now that we're rolling towards the end of this, uh, orange bowl preview, let's go ahead. Let's give the line. Uh, let's give all of that information. Let's make our picks. So, uh, Georgia, Michigan, uh, Georgia's given a 67.1% chance of winning this football game. Sixty-seven point one percent. That's shifted lately, hasn't it? Uh, I feel like it was a little bit more even kill whenever it was first. Whenever the bowls were first announced, maybe not. But no, uh, pretty much since it's come out, it's been Georgia upper sixties, uh, Michigan low thirties, uh, with only a thirty-two point nine percent chance of winning this game. Seven and a um, half point spread. It is a seven and a half point spread, and I think that that's about right. That's about right. Um, that's where it should be. Uh, in the, um, oh, let's see here. Where is it at? The over under is 45 and a half. Um, yeah, that's a, that's about right. Um, low, both teams scoring in the low twenties. I mean, that, that supports a 24 to 21 kind of ball game. And I think a lot of people kind of expect something like that. Um, that are a 24 to 17 type of game. Um, Josh, I want you to give me your prediction. I want you to tell me how you think this game is going to go. And, uh, then I'll, I'll follow that up. Who wins the orange bowl? So and what's the score? So obviously I think, so I think that I don't really want to just give a score and then leave it at that. Oh, I want a score. Like, I, I mean, I'll give you a score, Give me but, a score. but so the starters, I think that Georgia wins, obviously, uh, I think that the final score in this one is going to be, I'd say 20 to 10. 20 to 10. 20 to 10. I think we're, we're just barely cracked the double-digit line. Uh, I think our defense shows up. We show up angry, just like I said earlier. Emotions are a huge factor in the game of football. And if you have a team where you are you are coming off of, of something where you really were just embarrassed on national television, then then you're ready to go because all you heard all season long was was how good your defense is and how – once you dominate everybody, then all of a sudden you just get slapped, like we did against Bama. There's a pride and factor there. There, there's a pride factor, and 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 you come ready to go. So I think we're gonna hold them to ten. However, uh, with that being said, um, I do think that you see some quarterback changes, but it may not be as cut and dry as it sounds like. I may believe it will be. Um, I don't think it's gonna be a case where you have stat. And then you pull and then put JT in. And all of a sudden, he does he JT get in the game. On Friday JT night. gets in the game. I think you see Kirby rotate quarterbacks. I'm not saying you have Stetson in there, then he throws a pick, you pull him, then you uh, put in JT versus the game. Everything that he said and everything he's ever done. I could, I could see there being an op- opportunity where you have Stetson if he's maybe if he's throwing some incompletions, whatever, nothing major. He rotates in JT. Maybe if it's something where he just does on third down, maybe if he goes for it on fourth down, things like that. I could see it being part of his scheme. Absolutely. Do you think he's going to tell the media if that's part of his plan? You think he wants no. Michigan to know about that? No. And so I, we we have such talent at the quarterback position for both guys. 
And if we're not going to use the most important game of this season yeah. to optimize both guys, and I thought we're missing out. And I, I look for Kirby to do that. I really do see that happening. Um, what do you I, think? I'm coming at it from another angle. Uh, I'm just going to be straightforward and honest with you. I think that if Kirby's got anything like that up his sleeve, he's going to save it for Alabama. I think we're going to see the Georgia team against Michigan that we've seen all season long, the same one we saw against Arkansas, the same one that we saw against Kentucky. And I imagine a showdown very similar to the one that we had with Kentucky. Um, it was uh, it was kind of smash-mouth football there for a little while. Kentucky put up a, a pretty good fight for coming to Athens, Georgia, and messing with us. Final score is 30-13. to 13. Um, Georgia wins Friday night 27-10. to 10. They win 27-10 to 10 because, like you said, it's going to be 20-10 to 10 late in the game. Georgia's going to find a way to seal it. I think that they're going to get that one last pick six, that one last touchdown. I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be 20 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, Georgia is going to seal the deal and win 27 to 10. Here is a little bit of a just kind of bouncing off of that. I think, and I've said this a few times, every time I say this, people look at me like I'm crazy, and I am, but, no doubt. but, <laughs> but, uh, but I think that Michigan has a better chance of beating Georgia than Bama would have if we play them again in the national championship game. It is the hardest thing to do in football to beat the same team twice. And I look forward to talking about that if we uh, have <laughs> the opportunity um, to talk about the national championship game. Guys, we've uh, kind of given it to you straight. Um, and if you think, oh, well, they're just being biased, we are. Uh, Obviously, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but we we genuinely believe that Georgia does not have too much to worry about with Michigan. By all means, respect our opponent. By all means, be ready. Business trip. Uh, go in there, take care of business, and then in all likelihood, a rematch with Alabama the the following week. Um, man, it, it's that time of year. College football playoff, we haven't gotten a chance to enjoy this in the last four years, um, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying, for the first week or so, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty down with with uh, the, the loss. way that we went into the playoff. Yeah, but um, who won the championship in the season of 2017? Not a trick question. Who won the who, – who beat the us? The SEC oh, – Auburn. Who beat us? Auburn beat us. You're talking no, about the year that no, we who, won. No, who beat us in the national championship game? Oh, Bama. Bama beat us SEC. in the national championship game. What was the last game that they played before the college football playoff started? Uh, the Iron Bowl. Iron Bowl. What, how, how did that game go? Was it, wasn't that the uh, – was that – that wasn't the kick, no. No, 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 no. no. That, that was several years before then. But they <laughs> lost. They lost in the Iron they Bowl. They lost Auburn. in the Iron Bowl to Auburn. They made the playoff as an eleven and one team. Didn't even go to the SEC championship. That's right, game. because we beat Auburn in the SEC championship. That we year. did. That's right. And then Alabama goes into the college football playoff and wins it all. Georgia fans, we lost the SEC championship game. That's no surprise. Now, like we know that that's not big news. Um, hold your head up and enjoy this college football playoff. We have a legitimate chance to, to witness something special this postseason in college football, and I, I would hate that anybody would miss it out of sheer pessimism. And this is someone 
who's the most pessimistic fan in front of the game. I will be sitting in front of that game on Friday night, and if Michigan kicks a field goal first and goes up 3 nothing. I will go ahead, and I'm going to let everyone in throw the room Throw in the believe. towel. I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm going to tell them, all right, that's it. They're winning 42-3. to three. We're, we're going to get killed. I've witnessed this. He'll do that. I promise. I will. Um, that's just the way I am when I watch games. I'll probably never change. Um, but I genuinely, with my whole heart, I, I think uh, I think that we are going to have a chance to witness something special. Um but even if we don't, how many times do you get to watch your team play a meaningful game past uh, the weekend of December 4th? That's right. That's right. Um, a, these guys, you guys have done a lot of a lot of early morning 5 a.m. workouts, and, and these seniors have, have been through COVID. They've been through all the, the, the craziness of last year and even this year to get here. It's all comes down to Friday night. p.m. New Year's Eve from Miami, Florida. The Georgia Bulldogs, the Michigan Wolverines. Go dogs. No kidding. Go dogs. (laughs) All right, guys. Welcome back. This is the final segment for today's podcast. There's some Current news, uh, some exciting news in the last couple of weeks that NASCAR has released, and I'm thrilled about it. Uh, So essentially, for those of you who don't know a whole lot about NASCAR, uh, drivers have this one thing that they want in their car. What's that one thing? Horsepower. All right, what's horsepower? That determines how quick they can get up to speed, right? Um, And in the early 2000s when I grew up as a NASCAR fan, they were running 800 horsepower. I mean, they were absolutely pre-restrictor plate days. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they were still running restrictor plates at Talladega and Daytona. Um, but you know, at, at, at Atlanta motor speedway going down the back straightaway, that thing would scream down the back stretch and, and you're going to, you're going to be topping to a one, to a two going into the corners. And so, um, those days ended with the gen six car, the gen six, uh, as a whole, they, we saw horsepower go back down to about 750. Um, now, we still saw some top speeds. We still saw some fast laps, and it wasn't a huge change altogether. There was a whole lot more downforce, which led to the cars driving a little bit easier um, and being a tad, I mean, tad slower, but not always. It, it, it mainly meant that they could go, they could pull a little bit quicker loads in the in the turns. Um, but they still got loose. The cars would still spin out on them. And then in 2019, everything changed. They went from 750 horsepower to 550 horsepower. And that was the most frustrating, sad thing to see. Um, Now, the idea was not all bad. The idea was actually pretty good. Why do we watch Talladega and Daytona? Straightforward answer. Why do we watch those races? They go fast. Super speedways. Exactly. Uh, what? How do they race there? Are they spread out or are they close together? They tend to be. I mean, I guess it depends on which one that you watch, but really, they depend. They typically are a little bit more spread out, right? Uh, so no. Um, <laughs> not <laughs> okay. Might might have been a while. At Talladega <laughs> and Daytona, they are in packs: three wide, four wide, um, three wide at Daytona, four wide at Talladega, several rows deep. 
absolutely leaning on each other. So there's more, potentially more crashes and, and bumps. Exactly. And, yeah. Right. There's way more last lap passes for the win at Talladega and Daytona than any other racetrack because they're so close together. They can pull out. They can make that last pass. And so in 2018 at the All-Star Race at Charlotte Motor Speedway, they said, hey, what happens if we take more horsepower away? And what happens if we give them a larger spoiler? The spoiler is the thing that sticks up on the trunk of the car. And uh, essentially, it just it just st- sticks up in the wind. Um, it's just this plate that sticks straight up in the wind. and it helps and keeps, stabilize it. It helps stabilize the car and keep the car on the track, but also slows down the car and allows cars to kind of slipstream and, and draft up behind you, too, right. uh, through the wind because uh, it causes a good break in the wind right there. Um, so in 2018, they run that package. And it was pretty neat. Um, I'm not going to lie. They got it right in 2018. They were pack racing. It was it was pretty cool to watch. Um, the racing was close all the way through. I believe Kevin Harvick won that all-star race. And it looked like something you would see at Talladega or Daytona. Fans were impressed. Fans were happy with it. And then they took that. And they put it on every single mile and a half track actually in 2019 it was every single track on the nascar circuit 550 horsepower big old spoiler big old splitter that car was glued to the track and driving very slow but what happens all right so the all-star race the longest segment that you'd have maybe under green is 20 to 25 laps. They throw cautions and, and, and they bring them back together. Um, I went to a, uh, so this past year, the racing was no different. Um, I went to the Coca-Cola 600 this past year and it was just different. The racing was different. It was all about momentum. You see, what happens is in a 600 mile race, Cars get spread out no matter what. Tire wear becomes a factor, and whoever can just drive their car the best, whoever's got the best car, whoever can keep the most momentum is going to win. You see, when it was all about horsepower, it was, hey, I can dive bomb this guy in the corner. I'm going to be loose driving off, but I can catch it, and I can drive off the corner. I can be faster than him. And and you could outdrive somebody. You could just outdrive somebody. That uh, wasn't the case anymore. It was, you had to outthink them. You have to outsmart them. It's literally a chess match. Uh, for those of you who don't know what iRacing is, iRacing is a software that allows you to go online and, and drive in a simulated format in NASCAR and, and different. I mean, the F1 car is now on there, which is super fun to drive. Speaking of downforce, the thing is ridiculous. It's on rails. Uh, but um, you can go and you can get a legitimate, realistic feel for different race cars mm-hmm. um and driving the current cup car is just i mean it's easy it is really easy and nascar at its highest level should not be easy no um so essentially though we told you though that there was going to be good news come from all of this in 2022 nascar is going to debut the next gen cup car uh this is going to be a sportier car it's going to drive really good on road courses it's going to be really fun to watch um i've already gotten the opportunity to get behind the wheel of one through 
iRacing and it is uh I mean it's it's fun to drive on road courses for sure. Um it is a sequential shift car. It's got five gears instead of four. Four gears for the smaller tracks and road courses, five gears for the mile and a half tracks and restricted plate races. Um and initially it was gonna be a five hundred fifty horsepower package. They were they hadn't learned anything. They're gonna go with slow cars again. Except these cars have more downforce. They put to give you an example. Um, I, I'm trying to think of something I can use for reference. Uh, in 2012, I believe it was, they ran with a two-inch spoiler at Daytona. Cars were really loose, and it provided a pretty good Daytona 500. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, and that was two-inch spoiler. Um. That's really about all you ever need. They were going to run a 9-inch spoiler on this next-gen car. They get out there at Charlotte Motor Speedway. They start testing it, right? They get these big groups together, and they said, hey, look, it doesn't drive good in traffic. It doesn't have enough horsepower to even compensate for the amount of downforce and drag that we have. It's not working. So what do they do? Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in history, NASCAR listened to the fans and the drivers. We now have 670 horsepower. No, it's not 800, but it's better. 670 horsepower and a 4-inch spoiler. A 4-inch spoiler is much better, by the way, than a 9-inch spoiler. spoiler. I mean, that thing was <laughs> going to be scraping the sky. Yep. Um, so it's going to be awesome, and, and it's going to provide racing like we saw this past season from the Xfinity Series. The Xfinity Series racing was good. Man, it was good. Uh, you know how the championship was won in the Xfinity Series this past season? How was that? Uh, so it was a uh, green-white checkered, so two laps to the finish. And coming through three and four, Tyler Reddick just drove up on Austin Cendrick's inside. He just drove through him. He just absolutely drove through him. He got up to his inside. I mean, and he put his front bumper – and the right side of his car up against Austin Centric's car, drug him back, and won that championship. His first career win in the Xfinity Series. Um, this is going to provide for those types of finishes in the Cup Series. Right. Uh, I went to the Atlanta Cup race this past season, uh, which aside from a seven-lap-to-go pass from Ryan Blaney to win that race was not all that interesting to me as a chase Elliott fan i was pretty bummed because he lost his engine halfway through the race um and then going back for the coca-cola 600 it was a good race uh, i took two uh, buddies of mine from work at the time and i took them to that race it was their first ever cup race one of them loved it he just he, he loves racing and he was going to enjoy it anyways and have a good time the other one i probably should have picked a different race he'll he'll he might not go back to another race uh, I think he enjoyed it. He told me he did, and I think that he'll uh, he he got out of that what he wanted, and that was to experience a new sport, and that was cool and all. Um, but the racing just wasn't all that exciting. There wasn't like a whole lot of wrecks or anything because the cars were easy to drive. Josh, this year, guess what? What cars are going to be hard to drive again? That's right. That creates that creates a lot of interesting moments because the majority of your fans that watch NASCAR, I mean, who. Let's be honest here. There's no one that really wants to watch 
just around, around, around. You want to see the action. You want to see the close passes. You want to see the bumps. You want to see the wrecks. What you watch the sport for. In 2011, I went to Atlanta Motor Speedway, and I saw Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson coming off of turns uh, two and turns four time and time again. Sideways, Josh. Sideways. I want to see that again. Exactly. I want to see these guys straight up dirt tracking it. Around Jimmy Johnson got out of his car at the end of that race. You know what he said? He finished second. He was grinning ear to ear because that car is hard to drive, but it was fun. Yeah, fun. He said, I'm so grateful that I grew up racing on the desert and the dirt and, and all that stuff because if I wouldn't have, I would not have been able to hold on to my car today. And that's true. When he came off on that final lap, a uh, few car lengths behind Jeff Gordon, as Jeff Gordon crossed that finish line and I was screaming my lungs out, uh, when Jimmy came across, I mean, he was completely sad. I mean, most people probably wouldn't have been able to save that car. He was trying to get everything out of that car that he possibly could. Jeff Gordon, too, got sideways several times, and more so in turn two, not right in front of me in turn four, where I was sitting in the um, petty uh, grandstands. But, man, I'm telling you something. These cars are going to be a little bit harder to drive now, and the racing's going to get a whole lot better. And Which is know, good for the sport. It's Very absolutely good, for the, good for the sport. There's going to be a whole lot more parity anyways with this new next-gen car. The The chassis are being built all by the same place. So in the past, your your car chassis was, was built by your own team. And if you had a lot of money, you're fast. If you didn't have a lot of money, you're slow. Now they're all coming from the same place. And, and when it comes to setups and stuff like that, everyone's going to kind of have the same thing. Um, what's still going to be different is still, you know, as far as how you set up your car. Uh, and then also how you tune the engine, gear ratios, that sort of thing. Um, but, man, I am thrilled for this season to get started. It starts off with the Bush Clash and the L.A. Coliseum. The L.A. Coliseum, they're tearing it up, laying down asphalt. How about that? I guess Bri I guess Bristol Dirt was the first of many different uh, avenues. <laughs> yeah, Sounds I like. mean, it, it's this is going to be really cool. I wish that they were just uh, racing in Winston-Salem. Um, at the uh, at a racetrack that I actually had never been to, and then this past summer I went there uh four four times or so. I'm telling you, that was a fun uh racetrack and, and a fun um experience. And and you're racing around a football field, Winston Salem State University. Uh, you know, you're racing around their football field. And that's what essentially, I mean, it's about the same distance for the Bush class clash. You're not going to want to miss it. That's going to be a fun uh, race to watch on TV um, unless you want to fly out to L.A. for that one. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be doing that. <laughs> I don't think I could afford that. Um, but, man, just an incredible thing. Uh, it's cool. I, I like seeing NASCAR go into this. I mean, uh, shoot, the West Coast doesn't have a cup short track. So this is going to provide some new – type of racing to them and some new content for them mm -hmm. um and then after that the daytona 500 the big one and nascar's only sport that starts with the uh the biggest biggest event. it's like you start with the super bowl absolutely <laughs> absolutely it is the super bowl of nascar the great american race i've never been to it one of these days i hope to make it down there um but i have ridden around daytona um 175 riding shotgun in a in a stock car that'll wake you up that was pretty cool mm -hmm. but uh man there's a lot of things to look forward to if you've never watched nascar before there's a lot of things to look forward to in this upcoming nascar season i encourage you to pick a driver and watch and pull for that driver 
um, and see how he does throughout the season. Uh, it's going to be a fun year. You've got a lot of teams that are going to be becoming more competitive. I mean, heck, I mean, can we just talk about the fact that MJ is an owner of an NASCAR team, is a winning owner of a NASCAR team. They won a race last year. Um, and I don't care if it was under race, rain or, or what have you. Um, the fact that Michael Jordan is a winning NASCAR team owner is pretty cool. That's going to get more people watching the sport for sure. Right. So uh, that's going to be exciting. A lot of new teams to watch. Um, a lot of new teams to watch. It's going to be a very fun 2022 season. Uh, thanks again for tuning in to this segment of the Around Georgia podcast. And uh, until the Daytona 500, we'll, we'll come to you probably after the Bush Clash with a recap. And then we'll give a preview for the 500. And then again, after the Daytona 500. Um, but, uh, man, I'm excited and, uh, make sure to stay tuned in to hear more about the NASCAR Cup Series from mainly Kent because Josh didn't know a whole lot. <laughs> Josh watches enough to keep up with it, but, uh, and Josh also but, talks about himself in the third person. Josh talks about himself in third person whenever referenced that way. So, <laughs> but we thank y'all for tuning in to this portion of the podcast and we'll see you next time. See ya. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to the first episode of the Around Georgia podcast. We're so glad that you decided to tune in and join us for episode number one. Absolutely. We, uh, we're, we're new at this whole game, and, and I, I promise you we're not recording this from anybody's mom's basement. <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, we, we're just passionate about, about athletics. We're passionate about sports, about Georgia sports. Uh, not just the Bulldogs, but the Braves and, and you know, even, even a little bit of NASCAR. And so we, 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 we have a passion for it. It's something that we talk about all the time anyways. And so we figured why not go ahead and, and you know, kind of kind of relate to, to some of you guys and, and kind of put opinions out there, maybe change the way that you think about some stuff, the way you look at some, some things and, and just kind of have, have, have a familiar, familiar uh, opinion on, on some of these topics about uh, inv involving Georgia sports. So Absolutely. Well, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, make sure to look us up on social media. Uh, we would love to connect with you that way. Um, somebody has the opportunity to be our, I want to say our third follower. Yeah, someone has the opportunity to be our third follower on Twitter because we only have two right now, and I am one of those. Got to get Josh on Twitter. Got to get um, me on there first. But uh, on Twitter, we are the Around GA Podcast. Around GA Podcast on Twitter. And on Instagram, we can be found at Around Georgia underscore pod. Uh, we currently have 10 followers uh, on Instagram. We would love for you to be our 11th follower. If you've made it to this point in the podcast, make sure to be following us. Thank you guys for tuning in. God bless y'all. We hope y'all have a good week. Have a happy new year. Go, Go dogs. dogs. <laughs>